Welcome to FitChicks Chat, the weekly podcast dedicated to educate and empower women to take control of their lives, where we talk about fitness, nutrition, mindset, and wellness. Today's episode is brought to you by FitChicks Academy, where we help heart-centered women who love health and fitness get certified as fitness and nutrition coaches and build amazing businesses. If you're ready to create the life, health, and career you love, please join us for our upcoming Fitness and Nutrition Expert Certification Program and download the brochure today at www.fitchicksacademy.com forward slash F&E brochure to learn more. Now let's dive into this week's episode of Fit Chicks Chat. Welcome to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast, where we talk all things fitness, nutrition, and wellness for women to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out. And now, your hosts, Laura Jackson and Amanda Quinn. Hey everyone, welcome to Fit Chicks Chat. I'm Amanda Quinn, and on today's podcast, I have the amazing Stacey Dawkins joining me. Hi Stacey, how are you? Hi there, I'm great, thank you. It's an honor to be here, so thank you so much for having me on. No, I'm so grateful that you're joining me today, and um, I think that this topic, we were just talking offline before getting on here, and I think you know this topic that we're going to be talking about today and sharing with our listeners is so important, and it's something that I hold very near and dear to my heart, which is mindfulness and meditation techniques. <laughs> this is something yeah. that in my life has completely transformed my life, and it actually, I believe, saved me. Um, it saved me from a life of anxiety and stress and depression. And I think that I, I honestly, like, I look at yoga and meditation as like my savior in that way. So um, I'm really excited to be able to chat with you. So would you mind sharing with our listeners, before we get into some techniques and tips on how they can incorporate this, would you mind sharing sort of your background and your story behind how you got interested in yoga and meditation specifically? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's, I've been teaching yoga for around 20 years now. And so it's, it's quite a long time ago. And so I'm all, when I'm asked this question, I'm always like, okay, where do I begin? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I um, have three children. And back in the day when I had three little ones, I'm very close in age. I, I was getting into fitness and in ways that were new to me and it was all about the physicality. So, and which I think is a a beautiful thing. There's a lot of talk about yoga being physical or not, or, you know, is it a mental practice? But I, I think that it being physical is a very beautiful thing and I'll expand upon that more later. But for me, it was all that I wanted um, a good workout and I had heard about um, power yoga and had seen some things about it. And so um, it just drew me in and I, you know, merely as, as a physical practice. And after a while, I loved it so much, I began teaching it. And in hindsight, looking back, it it was having a profound effect on me, just being my body in that way and being um, in the practice of awareness of my body and breath in a different way. It was having an effect on me, but I didn't really know why or what was happening, um, which I, again, I love that about the practice of yoga, that people mm-hmm. come to it for the physical. But yeah, so I, um, over the years, became certified as a teacher. I taught at lots of gyms and rec centers and things like that. And then I eventually just wanted to have my own space to teach. I was uh, had no desire to have my own business, which is funny now that I, I said to hearing myself <laughs> say that, but I'm mean, 
turned into that. So we own three studios now. And along the way, my husband became very interested in the practice as well. And so he became certified to teach and he, we work together in the business now with the studios and training teachers. But um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a big evolution of um, what's, you know, culminated into now a three studios and we have 30 teachers that work with us and um, gosh, there's so many life lessons along the way when my practice shifted from it being physical, it's still physical, but realizing the gifts that were arising from the kind of accidental mindfulness that I was practicing along the way. I love that you say that though. And I love that you come at it from a place of like, I wasn't really expecting to, you know, you weren't expecting for that transformation to really happen because I know, and you weren't even expecting to open a business or anything because I know even when I think back to the very first certification yeah. I ever got was my Ashtanga Yoga certification. It was my very first certification I ever went and did. And it came from a place of not ever wanting wow. to teach. I never wanted to teach anything. I just wanted to learn and further my practice. And from a, like a selfish, I guess, standpoint, I just wanted to learn more. I really missed learning and I was obsessed with yoga since I was 15 and I, I just became something, it just became so important to me. So I was like, I'm going to do this just to like further myself as a human. Mm-hmm. And then through the process of my certification, I recognized how much I enjoyed teaching because I was teaching my friends in my home and just like that. And then it just started evolving and it sort of like so it kept evolving and evolving to mm-hmm. us growing our business to what it is today, which is like an education platform now. And so it's like, but it's so interesting how that evolution happens and I, and how you kind of attribute it to your kids and why it's just, it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, <laughs> now it, in, it is your story about going to training. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we have a little bit of a gap. In I know. I'm so, sorry, um, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, but you're the story, like you going to training, saying, "I don't know if I want to teach." I um, now leading teacher trainings for so many years. It's, it's I hear that story. Like, there's usually like five percent of the participants that come that say that they say, "I don't think I really want to teach, but I love this and I want to learn more." And to me, that's like a big ah, uh, that's going to be an amazing teacher because they're coming just to learn more and they love it. And so um, I always hear people say that and I just say, okay, you might not teach, but I, in my heart, I know that they will be amazing teachers. <laughs> it's so funny yeah. to say, when you said that, I just got goosebumps because it's so true. Like, and I say that even with our, um, with our certification program, we have people join us for our fitness and nutrition expert certification. And I'm like, they'll come to me too with like, I just want to learn so I can like, you know, help my family live better and things. And I'm like, that's perfect. That's great. You don't have to have an end idea of where you're going with it yet. Just grow and learn and see what evolves. And oftentimes exactly what you said, what evolves is that they become this amazing instructor in so many different Mm -hmm. areas and they're able to like take it in because they have such a true passion for it. Right. And it comes Mm -hmm. from such like an honest Mm -hmm. place. That's very Mm -hmm. cool. Now in Mm -hmm. terms of meditation specifically, I mean, with meditation, like how did that impact your life? And why was that piece being that it wasn't necessarily first you were going to yoga for the physicality aspect, but then incorporating meditation into it, how did that make an impact in your life? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I always share, I remember a really profound moment for me. It, it something that happened. I remember, Standing in my kitchen, again, I was it during the time I had three little ones and just in that um, life phase of keeping my head above water, surviving uh, with three toddlers and, you know, taking care of them and such. And I remember opening a book and there was a sentence that said, you are not your thoughts. And I went, hmm, hmm. 
Hmm. And then it just, it really struck me because as crazy as it sounds at that age in my late twenties, I, I had never really considered that I had, I wasn't raised in a space of um, the self-understanding and I wasn't in communities and, and things that brought me to that understanding of self and self-observation. And so it was a really profound, like, Oh my gosh, like, thank God I am not my thoughts. Wow. That is incredible. And <laughs> that moment just really struck me. And so when I realized I wasn't my thoughts and that, that propelled me into this um, journey of like, okay, well, who am I and how do I get to know myself better? And I think of, meditation is that sort of practice that just gives us an anchor to be able to access the present moment and from that space of the present moment to be able to see ourselves from a little distance and to be able to observe things like emotions and thoughts that you know have been happening all along um, but kind of in the background very um, potently in the background driving a lot of who I was in my relationships and such but I hadn't really observed them and so that was a start of it for me is that answer your question initially? Yeah, it does. Yes. Thank you. No, it's, um, it's really just understanding. Cause I do think that, you know, I think that meditation plays such a huge role and it could play such a huge role in so many people's lives and it could help, um, transform their life. And like I said, in the beginning, like I know for me, it transformed my life. It helped me. I went to a teacher for seven years where I went once a week for private sort of it was kind of therapy. It was like alternative therapy, but using meditation techniques. And so I went there for seven years, once a week, and I wow. committed to healing myself in these areas that I didn't heal when I was young. And it was, it was one of the most difficult things I did, but one of the most powerful things I did. And today, still to this day, when I do not meditate, I can feel a difference in my physicality, in my body, in my mm -hmm. mental state, in my emotional state. And so I just think it's, it's an interesting thing to know where people come from because everyone's going to come at it from different reasons, for different reasons and for different. And I love that you mm -hmm. came at it from a place of understanding of people, who am I and how do I understand myself further? Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, when we, when we use the term meditation, and you had mentioned um, in our conversation earlier that a lot of people can be intimidated by that word. And I agree that the word can be very uh, intimidating. And if we, if we don't know a lot about meditation, if one were just to, you know, Google and look up to learn about meditation, there are so many different types of meditation and some are really far out there. Some are very concrete and, you know, to each his own. But I think when someone understands what I refer to as mindful awareness meditation um, taught by John Kabat-Zinn and Dan Siegel and some of these great teachers, it really gives someone a very pragmatic view of what meditation is and what it encompasses and we could even say meditation you know has its form of sitting and doing something formal but also just the practice of mindful awareness and many different activities so I think when people understand that it's not just having to sit and achieve some special state that it's really just about learning how to pay attention that it becomes much more accessible I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love what you just said because I think it's absolutely true. And I think, you know, even when I, like I said to you, I've been practicing yoga since I was 15 and off and on, but then getting really into it when I got older. Um, but it was under, I never understood how yoga was a form of meditation in the beginning. I never understood mm -hmm. it until I started going to Mysore practice. And then I realized mm -hmm. how much that connection, that mind-body connection was so important and so key and how just focusing on my breath 
and not focusing on anything else in those postures, in those movements, in those difficult states, um, how important it was. And so it was like, that's when it kind of clicked for me, how meditation isn't just, like you said, sitting in a specific position and sort of meditating and things like that. So I love that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I do want to focus a little bit on meditation because I do think, it, like we've talked about, it is something that people are really intimidated by, but I do feel like there's so much benefits to it. Would you mind sharing with our listeners just some of the benefits? I know there are hundreds. <laughs> like if you go to Deepak Chopra's mm. website, he has a full list of like over 100 plus benefits of meditation and things like that. But um, mm-hmm. would you mind sharing sort of some of the more profound ones that you have seen either in yourself or in any of your students by mm-hmm. using meditation? Yeah. And I think it's a really good question from my experience. Um, you know, I hold lots of meditation, mindfulness, you know, yoga workshops. And I think that it's really important for us to be able to share with students and clients, um, what's in it for me. And that sounds kind of uh, crazy, but it, that's really, we all, as human beings, we, we're going to take on something when we know, um, you know, what's in it for us. And for me, I think, um, God, there's so many different directions to go with the benefits, but if I think of a really practical, um, something that I think everyone in society is looking for a way to feel better, um, from, for one perspective or another, you know, there's different reasons why we're looking for relief is physically and mentally, um, to feel better and meditation can provide that and if we look at it scientifically we could just look at um, the whole stress response in the body um, having to do with the, the fight or flight response um, things like you know words like cortisol and adrenaline that the general population are familiar with and to understand how the most intimate source of our stress is what we hold within our own mind, you know, within our own thoughts. And we're doing all of these external things to feel better. We're taking these things, we're moving in specific ways and, um, you know, eating in specific ways, but starting here, you know, with what we're holding inside of our own minds has a profound effect on our physiology in a way that, you know, many um, cutting edge physicians would say that it's at the root of chronic illness. So getting a handle and being able to learn more about what we're holding inside of our own heads in the form of thought, it has a profound effect on our wellness from that standpoint. Definitely. And I think, you know, what do you say to the people, and I've asked this question once before on my podcast, but I love this question and I love the answer to it. What do you think about the idea that some people feel there is no such thing as a mind-body connection? I've heard people Mm -hmm. say this to me, you know, where they just, they truly do not believe that your mind controls your body. I, I love giving the example of like when you eat a lemon or when you think about eating a lemon, like when you think about it, your mouth will start to yeah. salivate immediately because of the mind body connection. So I usually use that as my go-to sort of example yeah. of like just how clear it is. Yeah. Um, is there anything like, do yeah. you ever have that question I, come up for you? Yeah. I would say less and less. Cause I think that more and more people are like, okay, this is, you know, science is proving it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I like the lemon thing. I love that. And I think of, um, like the cheeks blushing. So someone says something, it's yeah. totally, uh, you know, a thought you per- someone says something, we perceive it a specific way. Mm-hmm. Our mind says something about it and our cheeks turn red. So there's a mind body connection. That's really <laughs> obvious and something that we can see. And like a lemon, it's something that's concrete, palpable, but what about all the things that are happening that we can't see and can't immediately feel? So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love those really, um, those, Examples that everyone can relate to. And so I, I think of it in that way. But I think that science is 
so strong in the evidence of mind, the mind-body connection these days. There's really no denying it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, in terms of meditation and in terms of mindfulness, I mean, what would you say is the difference between the two? Like mm. if, if there is a difference in your mind between like a meditation, because meditation in my mind is like a practice, but so is mindfulness. But how would you kind of differentiate the two? So, gosh, um, meditation is often referring to a specific contemplative practice. So a seated practice that, but there's many different, if we could see like a, um, a a flow chart of it. I mean, meditation encompasses so many different things, whether it's related to a specific um, tradition or lineage, or it's what's referred to as mindful awareness meditation. And mindful awareness meditation is really just that. It's learning how to be aware. So whether we're being, we're focusing on the awareness of things that are around us or the things that are within us. I love, I don't know if you've seen it or not, I love uh, Dr. Dan Siegel. He shares um, what's called the Wheel of Awareness. Have mm -hmm. you heard of this? Yes, I have. Yeah, the Wheel of Awareness, I think, is such a beautiful teaching tool because it's so simplistic. But it's just um, the representation of the wheel and the hub of the wheel is our open awareness. Mm -hmm. And this idea that we have this movable spoke. And so along the rim of the wheel, as he represents it, is you know, our five senses, our inner body sensations, our, our thoughts and our emotional states, the awareness of others, things like that. But the whole idea that we have the power to move that spoke and pay attention to what we want to at any moment in time. So that's mindful awareness. And we can say we could use the term mindful awareness with meditation, or it's mindful awareness meditation. We're sitting and we're just paying attention. Um, or we could say we're practicing mindfulness or mindful awareness in all the moments of our day. And it's really the same thing. It's like you referred to yoga and how it's this movement. We're paying attention to our body and our breath and such. Well, we could take that into dialogue. Like right now, we could take it into conversation and how we're listening to each other, you know, into all of the moments of our day. So it's really, I think if there's this formality to the practice that, that is beneficial, but then there's these other ways to practice it that we can carry throughout our day. I think they're both good. I would say one thing I want to mention is that we just, so we, we just got off of a training in which we had a scholarship for young women ages 15 to 20. And we invited 10 young women to come in to do a training for yoga and mindfulness. And we just came off of that two days ago. And working with that many young women, I really realized that we would have to bring in other modalities of mindful awareness because they're saying, okay, now we're going to sit and meditate and pay attention is challenging. It's not the easiest access point for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So we did do some of that using the wheel of awareness and explaining what we were doing. But we also did art activities. We did music activities. We did walking meditation. And so we gave them uh, you know, many different perspectives of how it could be done. Mm -hmm. And I think that's helpful for a lot of people because it's not – the easiest thing for everyone just to sit and, you know, pay attention to their thoughts immediately when they're first beginning. I agree. I agree 100%. You know, I teach a mindfulness workshop as well. It was more of a meditation workshop. It's, it's like a mini workshop that I do at our retreats. And I specifically try to break down this myth or this misconception that meditation has to be exactly the same for everybody. 
because I do think, yes, of course, there are certain things that you can follow. Yeah. There are certain, you know, there are certain reasons why you do these things. However, it doesn't have to be the same. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be you seated in half lotus position or things like that. Like you do not have to do those things that is not going to necessarily impact the impact that the meditation practice itself could have on you. Do you agree or disagree with that? I completely agree with that because we are bio-individuals. You know, we all have, whether it comes to our nutrition or our movement or our meditation, like we have different needs. We have different life experiences and um, genetic makeups and different things work for different people. And I'm all for, you know, whatever works for you is best. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see that there needs to be, because I don't even know. I know what works for me and I know how I can share with other people and what might help them, but I don't know for certain, you know, we just don't know for certain what's going to be best for everyone. And I think that's really um, an elusive thing anyway. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I agree. I think that what works for different people um, is best. And in teaching it, it's good to introduce lots of different, different ways to do it. Definitely. And what would you say would be some simple steps then, some simple techniques that somebody listening today can start implementing right away because again we don't want it to be overwhelming because i do think that the idea of like a lot of people get into this state of this all or nothing mentality and they feel like they have to do everything perfect and they have to do everything at once in order to receive the benefits of but what are some of those simple techniques or tips that you can provide to get someone just started today that maybe is either intimidated by the idea of meditation or mindfulness or is just completely unaware of what it even is or how to even start Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think the first thing that I think is a relief and helpful to a lot of beginners with this idea of meditation or mindful awareness is that there's a really common misconception that it's about clearing my head. Like, oh, if I ask someone, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of meditation or mindfulness and hands will raise and inevitably it's, oh, it's when you clear your head. Like, oh, well, that's exactly why people are so frustrated with the practice of meditation <laughs> or mindfulness because maybe, maybe not. It's not necessarily, and I always say that the mind thinks like the heart beats. It's like the mind, mind thinks that's what it does. And so the practice is observation of it. And so um, I always like to tell people that like if you're practicing breath awareness, if you have a moment of noticing a lot of thoughts, well, that's also a miracle moment because you're observing thought. And so it's the same. Like when you, we increase our ability to observe anything, we're also going to increase our ability to observe thought. And so you will observe yourself thinking. And that's not an unsuccessful practice. And I think that's the first thing that everybody says, Phew, okay, good, because I think a lot. And I'm, me too. Um, but I would you know, preface it with that. And then I think a really simple like five minute, like, and I probably would give them an anchor and, and many different anchors can be used, but breath is so innate to all of us. And it's something that everyone can relate to. So I would give, you know, um, a practice of five minutes of a a particular breath intention, whether it's breathing in a particular way. So we could do simply do um, the longer exhalation breath. And so sitting for five minutes, set your timer, set your awareness on your breath, uh, move toward expanding the exhale breath, breathe longer um, on the exhale and inhale. Maybe you give it a count. And if I were guiding a group, I would give a a specific count. Um, And then always telling them to change it as needed. Because sometimes when people put their focus on breath for the first time, it can feel stressful. 
Mm-hmm. So it's always good for people to know that they can change it or skip it if needed. But I think something really simple like that, you know, with that preface conversation of, of what it might look like, yeah. maybe it's breath awareness. And then if you, I love, again, I'm going to mention again, that wheel of awareness because it's so helpful for so many people, but using the five senses. So we could focus on just sounds, you know, notice the sounds that are coming in and um, that's all you're doing for five minutes. You're practicing listening yeah. to sounds and your thoughts might interrupt you. But that's, you know, what we're noticing thoughts, the same as we're noticing sound. Mm-hmm. And so we might focus on um, taste or smell or there's so many different things. But I think five senses and breath are something that everyone can relate to. I love start that, small. I love that. I love that you preface it with the whole idea of the frustration because I do think that I hear it often as well with so many of my students that will say to me like, I've tried and I failed. I'm like, you can't fail at meditation. (laughs) You can't Mm. fail at being mindful. You can just be aware of it. That's the only difference, really. It's, you know, there's no pass or fail. It's just, I I mean, it happens to all of us. It happens to me, and I've been practicing it for many years, where there's some days where my mind is a little more settled, I guess, and then there's days where it's all over the place, but it's just being aware of that and knowing that, but it Mm -hmm. still allows you to have more you know, I think that one of the biggest things is, is just what you said. It's like getting the idea that when you start noticing it, rather than attaching to it and being mad about it or being upset about it or frustrated about it, it's just being aware of it and then learning to let go. And that's one of the biggest things that a meditation practice has taught me is the idea of just letting go, letting go that your emotions are not you, your thoughts are not you, that you are just this person and that you have these things, but they are not who you are. And it's, and it's allowed for me to understand that on such a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was just doing like five minutes even. And I love that you said the five senses too. I've never actually heard that. And over the years that I've been practicing, no one has ever actually said to me to use the different senses. It's always been about the breath. It's always been about the Vipassana style meditation techniques, things like that. But I love that because mm-hmm. it's, it's just a different, it's a different approach and it's such a different way. One of the mm-hmm. things you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. though, you were talking about the walking meditations. Um, mm-hmm. what, what does that look like? Because I've done it in the past myself, but living in downtown Toronto in Canada, it's, we can't just be not aware because it's so dangerous walking around down here with all the cars and everything. Right. <laughs> now, what, um, what would you recommend yeah. for that? <laughs> And I think that's a really good point that you bring up because oftentimes I think that um, we think that meditation is a state of like blinders on um, specific awareness only on specific things. But I think of it as, and I had this really great conversation with a, a wonderful mindfulness teacher one time and he, he mentioned how for years he thought of meditation and mindfulness as this, you know, getting his focus on this dot on the wall or like that was his analogy and like, you know, focus, focus, focus. And then one day he had a teacher tell him that that is just an anchor to increase your global awareness. Like that dot on the wall is not the, the, the end all the dot on the wall is, is a point of anchoring you into all that is now. And I loved when he, when he shared that with me, it really helped me understand, well, something like a walking meditation. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm using these, things that are around me to anchor me into the present moment, whether it be the feel of my feet on the ground, the sounds, the people passing by, you know, whatever it is that 
brings in this sense of awe and wonder of the present moment, um, it helps me to expand my global awareness of, of, of everything. And so it would actually make my, maybe it would make my ability to see like not where we walk by our studio, it's a bike path as well. And so we always have to say, be careful for the bikes and watch out for them, help each other, warn each other as you need, you know, as needed. Um, but maybe it would increase my awareness more so of what's happening around me than less. Interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting thought around it. <laughs> If you think of like, you know, those moments where you drive somewhere, like I have to commute a lot. And so you get to, I have a 45 minute drive and I get there and this common story is like, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Like, I'm so good at automatic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so good at automatic. And like, how did I, and so you could even, I think you could even practice mindful awareness in, while you're driving, like being aware of all the things around you versus, you know, zoning out. Yeah. And just getting there because we're really good at automaticity. And our, I think that our practice of mindful awareness awakens our global awareness yeah. versus, you know, numbs us out from it being with blinders on. Yeah. yeah. What do you think has caused us to be so blinded, like in society today? What has caused us to have those blinders and to kind of just turn on the automation? Is it, do you think it's just from like being so busy, so stressed? Like, is there, think- is there something that you would attach to that? I think being so busy, and I think that we've had to get really good at being on autopilot because we're, we're so, we're so, we're really good at it, you know, and I think that we can get so consumed in our, in our thoughts, our unexamined thoughts and emotional states that we kind of have to be in that, and the practice of mindful awareness starts to awaken us to what we're holding in there. What are those thoughts that have been, I've been holding for, you know, a decade now. What is that emotional state that I haven't let myself be aware of? And I just think that um, because of that human condition, we're kind of forced to be really good at automatic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I've experienced it, of course, myself, where you, like you said, there was a perfect Mm -hmm. example. You drive there and then you get to the end result and you're like, I don't even remember driving here how did I even get here? It's just, it's such a weird feeling. I find it's such a, it yeah. throws me off. I don't like it because it makes me very uncomfortable. Cause I'm like, that feels very dangerous to me to live in that state. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now in terms of, um, in terms of like, I know we were talking about like the benefits of being mindful. Is there any kind of not warnings, but kind of, you know, I know for me when I started really going deep into my meditation practice and everything else, a lot came up because I had a lot put like inside, like stuffed inside Mm. of me. And I had a lot of post-traumatic stress and stuff like that, that I never dealt with when I was younger that I had to process. And that to me was a very, like I said, it was a seven year, very difficult time in my life, but I knew I had to take this step because I knew this was my path and I knew it was either this or the other path was to check myself into a hospital because I felt like I was out of control. I was in a state of out of like complete chaos in my life. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in that mm-hmm. state, I felt that way. And I did have a lot of things come up that were very like bring you to your knees kind of overwhelming. And I'm not saying everybody would have that experience, but are there any right. kind of warnings or any kind of like, I don't know, almost like a heads up that you want to give to people as they're getting into this, if they decide to really commit and be consistent you've noticed that kind of evolves Mm -hmm. in the process. Well, you mentioned that you worked with someone, right? You were working with, I I did one-on-one with, with, and I think that's really key. mm -hmm. Yes. I think that's, um, 
a really good point that you bring up. And I think that, of course, everyone's going to respond differently depending on, you know, what they're accessing and what their, their past includes. But I think that um, the allowance and okayness to say I need help and to get to work with someone like you did. I don't know what your path was to get to work with someone, but I think that um, making that really um, well known to people, like this is a path that a lot of people, a lot of people take and find success with. I think offer, offering that up is good. And I think that, you know, because the practice of awareness includes, it includes that paying attention to what's around us, but paying attention to what's happening within. And so you said a lot of things came up. And so when all of a sudden we're shifting to the space of being able to notice body sensations, somatic experience, feelings, things that we've kind of numbed out from for or really numbed out from for a long, long time, things can come up. So I think that, you know, it's important for people to know they don't have to go there. Like, yeah, we're practicing awareness. And if, you know, simple breath works for you, but anything farther than that is challenging um, that to, to take baby steps yeah. and to access help as needed, I think is the best thing. And I think maybe just the understanding, like you expressed, things can come up. I think people understanding that um, can be a lot of help. I, I do agree that you, you know, you said like just knowing your limitations. I do know I was, um, I was with one teacher once and he offered us a meditation, a guided meditation that was actually it was like the opposite. It was actually about bringing in darkness and letting go of light. It was like to experience that. And that like, I did not like it at all. Like it, it did not work with me at all. It brought me to a very dark place. And I wish I would have trusted my intuition in that moment when he said he was going to do it and would have left the room. And I didn't. And I did the practice. And then from that point on, I never did it again. And I don't even like talking about it because I don't want everyone mm. to try and even mm-hmm. challenge themselves with it. But it's yeah. listening to your intuition and listening to your own self yeah. to know your limitations. I think it's really, I do agree. I think it's really key. That's why my healing took seven years because it was taking little like half steps through the process because of all of the, but also I I think I'd like to add too to that is, you know, when I do talk about, there's a lot that can come up in terms of darkness. There's also a lot of light at the end of it. So even, and even during the process, there were moments that were just so beautiful and, you know, that were so like, it was like such a self-discovery period for myself that it's, it was, yes, there were hard parts, but there were also parts that were really magical and beautiful and it wasn't overwhelming in that state. So for anyone who's thinking that it's going to be all dark or it's going to be all hard, I just want to preface it by saying that's not necessarily the case. I'm just talking about it from my experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love your experience. And I, I think that, you know, bringing that to light, that there's, a, there's lots of goodness that comes even, and I like, I think of the word allow a lot. And I think that for many of us, the reason we have so much subdued, you know, um, somatic experience within us and our, our past lives in our bodies that we didn't, we don't allow it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we, we aren't okay with um, these things that we might not um, mark as positive and, you know, sad feelings or angry feelings and things like that. And so a lot of the practice of mindful awareness brings us to the space of, you know, learning to allow things, even if it feels a little uncomfortable at first, but allowing it so that we can move through and learn what's on the other side of that versus this continuation of, you know, um, numbing out and pushing down what's within us. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Because I, I, my experience is that whenever you do try to subdue it or push it in, it does, it comes back, but it comes back in different ways. It shows up in your life 
consistently, whatever it is that you're trying to push away. And it gets more and more powerful as you continue to try to push it away. And so it's, it's like, if you, if you don't just kind of allow it to happen and allow the feelings, like you said, allowing the, even when you're practicing meditation, allow the thoughts to happen, just recognize them, you know? And it's, it's the same thing with anxiety and all those things for me, at least my experience was allowing the feelings to happen, allow, uh, enabled me to move through it as opposed to holding on to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in terms of your own personal, like day-to-day sort of, what does that look like for you? I, I'm always curious to know from other practitioners, what is it that you sort of do for your own self-care practice? Mm-hmm. So um, as far as mindfulness goes and that from, from that realm, and I, I'm always hesitant to share, like I, I, I do get up every single morning and my husband and I kind of have a shared practice, but every single morning we sit for about 20 minutes and sometimes that involves, you know, a cup of coffee as well with, but it's the sitting and intentional taking the space to create our day. And I'm sometimes hesitant to share that because I don't want people to feel like, you have to do this regimented every day, get yeah. up out of bed. But it's, it's just something we've grown toward and something we really value and love. And even in the times that we have to leave the house super early, you know, like during the training, we had to leave the house very, very early and get up before five o'clock to have that time. We do that because it's that important to us. But just taking that time to sit and, and notice, um, maybe I'm doing, you know, it always ebbs and flows what I'm focusing on. Sometimes I'm using a breath practice. Um, sometimes if I'm feeling really challenged, I might go right into um, a gratitude practice, you know, taking 10 minutes to just think of what I'm grateful for because everything else is really challenging. Even focusing on my breath can be challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have that time every day. And then of course I'm involved in, you know, every day involves teaching yoga and often practicing yoga as well. So really for me in that practice, bringing in um, just this concrete awareness of physicality, helping myself and students understand the body more. And that's really um, what I wrote about this year in, in my book, but understanding the body more and using that as an easier vehicle in to self where sometimes it's hard to just, Let's look at our emotions or notice what we're feeling inside, but using the physicality. So I'm really big into anatomy and biomechanics and learning that as a step into getting more uh, used to being in the body. And so I do a lot of that in my own practice mm-hmm. and in teaching. Um, but yeah, I think that little um, sacred time I have in the morning really helps to fuel the rest of the moments of my day. And, you know, when I'm in conversation with staff and teaching and remembering to bring in that is a practice of mindfulness as well. Definitely. That makes complete sense. Now, um, you mentioned your book. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about your book and um, how they can find out more information about you and about any of, if you are offering any programming or anything like that? Yes, thank you. So um, Embodied Posture, Your Unique Body in Yoga is my book that um, released this past January. And it really combines my loves of mindful awareness, embodiment, slash biomechanics and anatomy. So it's very much it's sort of textbook-ish in that it, it's very much it helps people understand um, anatomy as it applies to yoga and really other modalities, biomechanics. And then a big part of it is how to navigate the sensory experience, which I find very useful in this practice of mindful awareness and re-embodiment. So I, one of the first sentences of the book says, although this book is about yoga, 
anatomy and biomechanics. It's really about coming home to yourself. So it's using that understanding of the body as a way to just start um, interoceptive awareness, feeling again. So yeah, that's what it is. It has a lot, it's a lot of help for um, just understanding all the major actions and motions in the body and applying it to yoga slash how it parallels the practice of mindfulness and embodiment. And my website is stacydawkins.com. I do, we teach a lot of trainings, um, programs, weekend programs, and all revolving around yoga or practicing or teaching yoga. And we teach all over, but it's all there on my website. Wonderful. Perfect. Well, Stacey, thank you so much for joining me today and for this great conversation. I just, I really enjoyed everything you said. I love, I wrote down here this one statement that you said, um, where you're saying that the mind thinks like the heart beats. And I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I'm going to like put that on my wall because yeah. I'm like, it's so, it's so true. Right. And it's, so thank you. Thank you so much. And I mean, you shared so much information. You shared so many great tips for our listeners. So I really appreciate it. Um, and I look forward to reading your book because I'm definitely, I'm such a nerd when it comes to like yoga and anatomy. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to. <laughs> I'm definitely going awesome. to be ordering it right away. Thank you so much. No, it was- yeah, I enjoy it. I love the conversation with you. Um, it went in directions that I couldn't have foreseen. I, I really enjoyed it. So thank you so much. Perfect. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. And of course, if you're looking for more information about CC and her book, um, as well as more information about our certification programs that we have coming up, please go to fitchicksacademy.com where you can read more about um, CC and connect with her directly through my links. All right. Thank you again, Stacey. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast. Want more healthy love? Visit www.fitchicks.com for amazing resources, free workouts, recipes, tips, and so much more to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out. Thank you for joining us this week. And remember, if you are ready to create the life, health, and career you love, join us for the upcoming Fitness and Nutrition Expert Certification Program. Download the brochure today at www.fitchicksacademy.com forward slash F&E brochure.